0: Well, first episode of a new year. We are no longer in, we are no longer at the 20. We are in our 20s. The year, that is, not our age. I wish sometimes. No, I don't. I don't wish I was in my 20s again. Anyways, happy new year, everyone. Welcome to the party. Hopefully 21 is not as much of a dumpster fire as it was for the rest of the world. Um, Joining me today for this episode once again I have my good friends, David and Eric. What's going on, guys? Happy New Year!
1: Happy New Year. Um, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Happy. happy yeah. New year. Okay. New. New Happy Year. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> new Happy Year.
0: Everything just went away. Did you know? Yeah. All the problems just went away now that we're in 21.
2: Twitter's gone. That's positive. Um, <clears throat> you know, we've we've abolished. Politicians, so that's mm. fun. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean we've uh, we've realized the secret to long life, and we're all very happy.
0: Yeah, and I've been telling people that I solved world uh, world peace and world hunger a long time ago. I really did. See, see, here here's the here's how you solve it. If they would just listen to me, you know we would have been a lot better off. Okay, world hunger. How do you stop world hunger? Start eating. Done. Boom. World. World peace? Ready for this? Stop fighting. Done.
1: <sighs> Just stop genius, it. Chase.
0: <laughs> What's that, Eric?
1: You're a genius.
0: I mean, yeah. Not really. I wish. <laughs> well, 2020 um, ended here in um, at the station with some snow. Of course, 2020 in Texas is going to end... With snow a few hours before midnight comes around. And, um, David, I know you're in the Midwest. Um, I have another friend of mine that lives in Michigan, and they sent me a note, and they're like, Yep, I'm looking out my window and dry as a bone. And I'm like, What? Dry in Michigan, but snow in Texas? This does not seem right at all.
2: You know, it's funny because where I work, we have, um, uh, I want to say maybe three or four sites in. Texas in general and I remember uh, this had been years ago that this came up but we we had had some pretty severe snow up here and Texas and I think this was it was either the Houston or San Antonio area I don't remember which one it was but anyway one of the guys down there sent me a picture and it was of their parking lot with a light dusting of snow and they (laughs) said well we sent everybody home and we're we're closing the site and I was like but but why though And then I showed him a picture of ours, which was, you know, we had like, it was something like six, you know, inches, give or take. Right. But, I mean, I I understand you guys just don't deal with it. But, you know, I mean, if it were (laughs) me, a light dusting of snow would be at work.
0: Right.
1: Yeah, I remember one time uh, living in Columbia, Missouri, where one day it snowed. It didn't even snow that bad. The, the County Road Commission used all of the rock salt they had for the entire season in one day. What? Because <laughs> <laughs> they, they just weren't prepared, and they're like, ah, oh, we don't need that much, and they just, they didn't understand how much to put down, I guess, because they don't yeah. deal with it enough, and they used all of it in one day.
2: Good grief. Good my, grief. My cousin moved to, uh, to Atlanta, I don't know, years ago now, but... There was, there was a, another point where, you know, Snow, and he, he's uh, he's obviously used to driving in Ohio winters, so he's fine, but it's like snow apocalypse down there, and like people are just stopped on the highway, they're getting out of their cars, they're abandoning their vehicles, like it's the right. Walking Dead or something, right. and Snow, Snow, and they're just going <laughs> insane. It just, it, You know, how do you conquer the South? Snow. Uh, just do it in the winter true story. Oh wait, we're not talking about uh, war or anything. Sorry. Just don't do it. Got it. Already. <laughs> already ch- yeah, we ch- we, ch- we, my we ended war, right?
0: <laughs> There's just one more thing about snow like um, Eric and I we you know, we grew up in in this town called Grand Blanc, Michigan. And I don't know if if it was just our superintendent that like hated us or something, but like we were part of um, the the Big 9 conference, I think is what it was called at the time, um, of like schools and stuff, and it was like, what was it, Beecher, Powers, Fenton, and like a hand.
1: Fenton wasn't a part of it. It okay. It was like Carmen Ainsworth, Swartz Creek, Davison.
0: Okay. Anyway, like, it was mainly, I guess it's like mainly Beecher that I remember, like maybe Beecher and like Powers um, High School, but... There was this one time, I think it was like our, our, I want to say it was our junior year of high school, maybe it was our senior year, and we had, like, an ocean full of snow all over the city, and everyone, like, in the surrounding towns, like, I'm talking like 10, 15 mile radius, perhaps, maybe even beyond that, everyone was closed down except for your boy, Grand Blank High School, and... I heard a rumor, and I don't know, Eric. I don't know if you heard this as well, but um, the rumor went that if the superintendent could drive their car around their neighborhood, then everyone could come to school. And sure enough, you know, Doctor, whatever his name was, Lipe, I think. Doctor he was whatever
2: his name was. <laughs> he was able. to... <laughs> he didn't to, become a doctor for nothing. For that's I right. Remember his name? Yeah, yeah.
1: I don't remember that rumor, but yeah, like. Uh, whoever the superintendent was hated canceling school he was like it's not happening like right. you can, like get to school
0: <laughs> and uh, yeah we were the only school open in like the county pretty much in like two counties probably that sounds anyway. about right yeah par for the course <laughs> good old grand blank good old grand blank oh lord well um sweet yay snow and starting off a new year. Um, apart from, from New Year celebrations, how have things been in y'all's world? Um, I think, yeah, yeah. how have things been in y'all's world since we last met?
1: Well, I have a new nephew that was born yesterday. Hot dog. Yep, my brother and his wife had another baby. Everyone's doing okay. good. Okay. Easy birthday to remember, New Year's, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and just imagine that twenty-first birthday party.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man, how about you, David? Oh
2: yeah, not not too bad. I mean, there's yeah, just been relatively quiet, trying to you know get through holiday stuff and all that good jazz. But um, mm-hmm. nah, not, not much, not much going on. Working, working holidays.
0: Sounds about right well nothing too crazy going on in my neck of the woods uh, that I can remember right now um, it's all a blur you know now I got to get used to writing 21 instead of 20 on my notes and everything and I hate that now I gotta get I gotta get good at writing a one now I was getting really good at writing that zero but now I got to get really good at writing that one so up
1: and down up and anyway. down up and down no movements just up and down.
0: I'm holding back right now so much. You have no idea. <laughs> That's okay. what she said. <laughs> all right, all right, gang. Well, let's let's go ahead and um, let's get into this. Let's talk about this this episode of Star Trek Discovery. Uh, we're talking season three, episode twelve. There is a tide for the good and, of the uh, people. And for anyone listening, <laughs> what?
1: It's called for the good of the yeah. people.
0: There is a tide. No,
1: it's for the good and of the people. And for
0: the good of the people. <sighs> this is so confusing.
1: I don't understand why, the need why to we, do that.
0: Well, yeah, well, you know.
1: Why give us a fake title?
0: Um, yeah, to throw us off, why not just do part two? But wh- that's that's the discussion, dude. That's the discussion, man. Come on, now. All right, so for this is your first time listening, this is not a spoiler-free discussion. We are going to spoil upon spoil upon spoil things. And uh, anyways, we're just going to talk about the episode, talk about what worked for us, what didn't work, and everything in between. And eventually, we'll um, get to our evaluation of this particular episode. So um, let me go ahead and just do a quick summary of this episode, okay? Um, a Starfleet officer tries to save uh, their uh, fellow officers that have been taken hostage by um, by chain terrorists during a um, a party. I mean, an away mission um, at the Veruban Nebula in the not too distant future. Starfleet officer John McLe- Michael Burnham goes on a quest to um, to visit and to help rescue. The hostages, her family. Yeah, her family.
1: Yippee ki <laughs> Yeah, yippee Mister Falcon.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, Die Hard in space. That's really what this was.
2: Yeah, it was. It was very, very much uh, '90s. You know, '90s action, complete with knife wounds that you just pull out which coincidentally that's a very bad thing to do but hey what do I know I don't because I'm not a doctor
0: I'm a podcaster. I'm a doctor not a podcaster
2: (laughs) well there are a lot of people that get honorary doctorates from places so I'm just I'm really hoping that you know the University of Grand Canyon College University of Phoenix gives me that doctorate (laughs) one day so Maybe. You know,
0: if you try hard enough, David, I believe you'll get it. You just die trying. Just die trying, okay, for the good of the people.
1: (laughs) Okay, I have a question. Oh, man. At what point do you cross (laughs) the line from homage to ripping something off? Because I think there's a a line there that this episode might have crossed.
2: You don't agree? Well, I mean, I guess the question becomes, what's original? I mean, everybody blatantly rips off. I mean, do you guys remember there? There was um, there were two movies, and I think that they were done relatively close to each other, if not in the same year. Um, one was starring Justin Timberlake and Mila Kunis, and the other one was Ashton Kutcher and Natalie Portman. And I think it was Friends with Benefits and No Strings Attached. They're the same movie. They were literally the same movie, just with different casting and different yeah, like, it's jobs. Like, it's like that sort of uh, White White House there.
1: Down and Olympus Has Fallen, right? Those two movies.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. Terrorists attack the White House. Secret Service agent has to save the day. Yeah. Came out the exact same year. But I,
2: I, I feel like, yeah, I, I feel like this season just was like, you know what? We really need just some like some violence you know i think we just you know, we haven't been violent enough and we really need some violence just to you know <laughs> because there's nothing more star trek than vaporization i i mean uh, what
1: why not yeah well just casually shoot somebody point blank and vaporize them like that. i, I it's giving ahead Osiris does that here, but Michael Burnham even like had no problem vaporizing people at the very beginning of this season.
0: That's true.
2: I, I mean, I think we have to come to the, the grips of this show. this show is no longer about science and exploration. I mean that that's I think I've probably said that before, but like it isn't discovery at all. You know it's like an episode of you know CSI Deep Space or something like that. But without detecting anything, you know. Yeah, there's there's really and, no and discovery also say this going too. on
1: here.
2: No, and I also say this too. I feel like I feel like there's a conflict here, and I'm not sure <clears throat> with who it's with. But I think that I feel like the network has given certain directives for this show. And the writers are starting to rebel a bit against this. And and I've kind of come to this opinion over the past few episodes with the Tilly stuff. There are like pretty blatant uh, call-outs and or jokes about Tilly being in command of Discovery in that sort of direction in this episode. And you can kind of see those in, in, in past episodes, too. But it feels like there's almost like a rebelling against the directive. So I don't know if that's real or imagined, but I kind of feel like maybe some of these writers are getting a little sick of it too because I just I still don't see the direction in the show. I mean, okay, so we discovered a, a loudmouthed child who yells at people and blows up dilithium, which is the biggest letdown of all time. And then now we're at this point where... Uh, are, we, are we gonna fight the emerald chain? Are we gonna join the emerald chain? Are we gonna be friends? Are we not gonna be friends? Hey, there's little R2D2s again, that's cool. So, <laughs> you, you know, where, where, where are we going if, if we're not gonna focus on that science and exploration? I gotta tell you, Chase, I think we might have to re, uh, re-imagine the Delta system. Uh, we can still put command in there, but maybe the next one will be feelings. <laughs> and then the third delta will be family, okay. or something like that. Because I, I mean, it, again, I, I just it, it it's kind of it's yeah. just different. It's different. I don't want to complain too much, but it is different.
0: Yeah, I was I, mean, I was thinking about this too, and I think we um, maybe alluded to it a little bit. You know, last week for sure, but de- uh, the last several weeks that you know we had the we had the two parter with Terra Firma. And now we definitely have a three-parter with, on our hands with with this whole hostage, die-hard one, two, and three situation that we're dealing with right now. And, you know, so that's, let's just call it five episodes that we're dealing with where it's, it's serialized, for sure. Not that the other, what would that be, eight, right? The other eight episodes weren't. But they felt, maybe I'm just forgetting things, but they felt perhaps more um standalone from a serialized perspective than what we're seeing right now. And it it seemed, even even unification, which you know you guys know how much I hate from this season, even that felt like it was still part of like a plan with this season. And so it's there's just something weird. Like, it's like they got to a certain point, and they're like, no, we're gonna do a hard stop, a hard pivot, and because like we've we've lost the story that that's just kind of how it's coming across to me well, um but i mean like the burn the burn's been there like kind of vaguely like it, it was like really strong in the beginning but then it's kind of just petered out from yeah, what i can actually, tell
1: actually actually i kind of have this this idea that like we've been talking about okay the big story of this season the driving force is the burn right because that's kind of what the the previews and everything told us, hey, that's what this season is going to be about. But I'm starting to question, is that really what this season is actually about? Because I actually went back and I watched the first episode from this season, like after I watched this episode, because I was just really curious. And the Emerald Chain, it's not mentioned in that episode, but it actually plays a more prominent role in that episode than the Burn does. And so is this really, really the story about the burn and discovering what the burn was or has this season really really truly been about the emerald chain because i think that'll be interesting to see i mean we'll have to wait till next week and and how everything wraps up but maybe we as an audience were just misled or or misinformed maybe not misled is maybe not the best word but maybe we just didn't understand what this season was about so where we have said have they lost the plot Maybe it's just we didn't understand what the plot actually was.
0: So are you suggesting that they're kind of doing what they did, perhaps? Like with Season 1 with the Klingon War, for example. And, yeah, yeah, the, the and Burn the is sort Universe of our... And Mutiny and stuff.
1: The Burn is sort of our MacGuffin, right? It's not fully like, you know, your your glowing case in Pulp Fiction. But, you know, it's, it's just... Not really what this season is about. This season is more about the Federation and their dealings with the Emerald Chain. And that should be the A plot okay. where the burn is really the B plot.
2: I think the Emerald Chain's kind of a joke. Like I just I, I I mean, if you if you're gonna if you're gonna set me up with like a a big enemy, make them big. Like make them because, I, I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not afraid of the Emerald Chain. I mean, yeah, Osiris kind of, I mean, she's ruthless, she's unscrupulous, I mean, she's a bad person, but I'm not really afraid of the Emerald Chain. Like I would be, uh, you know, I don't know, like the Klingons or the Romulans or something like that. I don't, I don't have the same level of apprehension about going up against the Emerald Chain, despite Starfleet being severely limited. I just don't get that feeling from the show, I guess I should say. Right, okay. and, and, and I think we learn in this episode there's
1: a lot actually more to the Emerald Chain than we thought. We were just told, and I think this is this is the failure of storytelling, if that this season was actually about the Emerald Chain, is, is it, we take a hard left turn of who the Emerald Chain is in this episode because we were just told, hey, they're a crime syndicate, they're a crime syndicate, they're like the mob. But here in this episode, we learn... She's Minister Osira, and there's a, a a Congress or a Senate or something that that she has to like put put laws in front of, and it gets has, they have the laws have to have support of the people to get passed, and it's like, wait, what? What is all of this? So I think there's a lot more to the Emerald Chain, and and they could they could be somebody that you could you could fear or you could you know relate to if we had seen more from them and if we hadn't just portrayed Osira in sure. the past as some comic book villain because I think she, she had the potential to be somebody like don't hate me I love Deep Space Nine but she could have been someone more like the female shapeshifter I, like you know she's a bad dude right the female shapeshifter but there's a lot more to her there once we start to see her more and I think that's a big failing of this season
0: I actually thought you were going to say Kai Wynn.
1: Well, I mean, we even Kai Wynn, too. To I, listen, <laughs> Kai Wynn is an amazing character. Everyone says, oh, God, I hate Kai Wynn. But you don't I hate Kai really Wynn. But you don't hate don't Kai Wynn because she's a bad character. You hate Kai Wynn because she's an amazing character yep. that Louise Fletcher plays
2: amazing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, no, 100%. It's, it's like. Um, you know, back when I was, like, you know, whatever, eight, and watched professional wrestling, you know, you have the the heel character that you're supposed to hate, and they do bad guy stuff, and yeah, that's why you hate them, but that's their job. So, yeah, I, I get that, but, like, going back, it, you know, to the point of, like, did we misunderstand the, the plot, or, like, the main plot, the A plot, uh, so to speak, I don't think we did at all, because... The Emerald Chain just wasn't. It just. It, it, it's just now in the the final three episodes. Now exposes the main plot because we had kind of a. It, and I'm sorry, it's a lame ending to the burn thing. We've just we ended that. We had a, a good old send off episode 2 a uh, send off episodes, and now oh guess what? It's actually all about the Emerald Chain, and to me that doesn't really work because if you're going to build up something to be the big thing like uh, think about the Dominion or something like how much build up you had at the Dominion before we even saw them you know you knew that this was going to be bad before we even like saw them in, in, in their uh, you know section of the galaxy now it's like well they're actually the bad guys so you know let's roll with this now
0: right we have we have 13 episodes to tell a story in a season now, compared to how how long did it take for us to really get to know the Dominion? We, we met we met the Dominion in what season two of Deep Space Nine, or was it season yeah. three?
1: We first hear the name Dominion in a in a Ferengi-centric episode, right? Like um, the Grand Nagus had heard rumblings about some power in the Gamma Quadrant, so he sent Quark on some mission that That's was right. doomed to doomed yeah. to fail. Right, because he he wanted to learn about about this other group, the Dominion. He was in a Ferengi set. It was in like the middle of season two, and then of course, you know, season two ends with the Gem Hadar episode.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Yeah, but but again, I'll say. Go back and watch episode one from this season, and the Emerald Chain. They're not named, but they are front and center. <laughs> Prominent in that episode, more so than I think the burn is. So, like, they were there the entire time.
2: Well, sure, but did you care about them as much?
1: I mean, it's the first episode. How much can you care (laughs) about somebody after one episode?
2: Sure. Yeah. But then, you know, you continue to build on them. I get, yeah. Yada, yada, yada. I think it's, you know, I think we've all on that maybe <laughs> i mean it's, it's just
0: a it's just a storytelling decision that they made that maybe we're not as crazy about or or whatever and that's that's fine because like up to this point we know about Delithium being like the primary you know fuel that gets us zipping around the around the cosmos and now we're we're finding out that we're, we're handicapped that we're crippled by by a lack of it and um So of course the burn, this thing called the burn, is going to take front and center for us, Um, and maybe maybe going back and checking it out and seeing what Eric's talking about could be good. I mean we'll eventually do like a retrospective on the season, so maybe thoughts and opinions will will change at some point. So um, anyway, there's there's a lot going on with this episode. Like I just feel like it's it's not all over the place but it's all over the place with what's going on this episode I don't know if you all yeah. have like that same that same thought or that same feeling about this episode
2: yeah you you I, I feel like you could go several different ways with it d- depending on how you how you feel and I think like the um, preview for the next episode at the end of this episode kind of I, I, I don't know if it's more of a bait or not, but it feels like it's going in one direction. So.
0: Yeah. Which it's also going to be called um, That Hope Is You Part 2, by the For way. For
2: now.
1: Yeah, we were all a little curious of like <laughs> That Hope Is You Part 1, but there's no Part 2. And, and I just, I just kind of assumed that Part 2 was, you know, Episode 2 because it was like, okay, part one, here, this person's coming to the future. Now, part two, this second group of people is coming to the future, and they're written and directed by the same same group of people. So that's, like, part one and part two. But nope, mm-hmm. that's not what happened.
0: Nope. But I bet the USS Titan's gonna, like, zip right in, in episode 13 to save the day.
1: Okay, okay, so, so, so hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> hold on. So, in, at the end of season two of Discovery, we have big, big space battle where... All of our allies that we had made a route with the season, you know, Lorel and, and Ash Tyler bringing the Klingons to the rescue, and the Kelpians in their Ba'ul ships come to the rescue. Um, in Picard, at the end of Picard, spoiler if you haven't seen Picard yet, you know, Starfleet, Starfleet Armada comes to save the day. Uh, Lower Decks, at the end of Lower Decks, spoiler if you haven't seen the end of Lower Decks, we get Starfleet ship coming to the rescue. Like, are they really going to do that again, like, the fourth season in a row of, like, you know, the people we meet along the way yeah. come in with their big fleet of ships yeah, to save man. the day? Is that the only thing that we can do? Like, yes. come on. Like, like, okay, Michael Burnham, she gets on her phone and calls Al Powell. I'm sorry, not Al Powell, uh, her mother. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right? And, and she's like... Mom, I might not make it out of here. I might never see you again. Like, the chances of this Vulcan Romulan fleet coming <laughs> in to help save the day at the end is like 100%, right? 100%. Totally. I mean, is that the only story we can tell is, is you know, a fleet of people that we met along the way? I mean, it's we might as well get the... friends
2: th- we, you meet along the way. We, if we're going to do that, Relationships you build, family... But we
0: Thank might as well get the Earth, a friend.
1: the Earth Defense Forces that we met. They might as well come in and help us save the day. Get yeah. the Trill. I'm sure they have ships. Get them to come in and, and help. The Quajon people, do they have ships? Can they come in and help?
2: <laughs> sure. Let's do <laughs> it. All the,
1: all the people we liberated from that, that camp with with Book and Rin, can they come and nope. now
0: help no, us no, save they're, the they're day? Dead. They're dead. They're dead. But
2: we liberated those people.
0: They're probably dead, though. <laughs> Listen like, you, and you
2: and you realize that you're rebuilding the Federation all along. It's just great.
1: I'm just tired of that storyline, you know, the people we meet along the way, you know, come in with a fleet of ships at the end sure. to save the day. It's boring. We've done it before can we not figure out something different well, like I mean, now should... listen like, we don't know that's what's going to happen we don't know like so maybe I'll be <laughs> surprised but i don't think so
0: but like that that's the thing though whenever whenever the fleet shows up it's a big deal like it's not something that you do all the freaking time you know like the fleet shows up and it's 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 a big big deal that everyone's there ready to like blow something up um Shoot someone out of the sky. Listen,
1: Will Riker coming in to save the day in two different seasons was like, had me fist pumping. But, like, I don't need that again.
0: Well, it's like 930 years in the future. So if they do it. If Will
1: Riker shows up.
0: Then, 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 then Star Trek will have officially jumped the shark.
2: Yes. Well, I mean, you know, they, they kept, uh, they kept Bones alive for quite some time, so maybe they've advanced further, and they can. Grand he's, he's Admiral, got, he, he's on his tenth robot skin thing. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. May, hey, maybe Picard's gonna
1: show up in his <laughs> Robo Golem body. You
0: said it was only. <laughs> you said it was only ten years. <laughs> Grand Admiral Riker and Robo Admiral Picard.
1: That's the ending we
0: need. <laughs> was it the ending you need? No, but it was the one that we deserved.
2: We brought in our secret weapon Robo Picard. <laughs> <laughs> Just comes make, in, you know.
0: Make it so.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh. Delta maneuver. Instead Faser's of like T. Ready. Instead of uh, tea, Earl Grey, hot, would it be oil, 10W30, cold?
2: <laughs> Lukewarm. You can't put it in cold, man. Come My on. bad. My bad.
0: I'm just saying.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <sighs> <sighs> Have we even talked about this episode yet? Like, we're, we're like a half hour and we haven't even talked about this episode. Yeah, we're talking about themes. Okay, fine. Talk about. No, that's fine. The themes are the themes are good.
1: I mean, yeah. All
0: right. So the other theme, of course, is Die Hard, like we alluded to, the homage slash ripoff, whatever you want to call it. Um, I ever so I watched that. and That was the first thing that came to mind, and I was like, you know, like there's like the random like Australian YouTuber that I listen to from time to time, and like this other like a few other random like Star Trek YouTube channels are like popping up. And they're all saying the same thing. They're like, guys, did y'all watch Die Hard on Thursday? Because I did. And anyways, yeah, that was the whole Die Hard thing. So for anyone yeah, that's okay. a Die Hard fan, you might like this. But you might not also. Like, I thought, like, the the sta- like the stabbing. Okay. When Michael Burnham is, is there, I need to nitpick something. Okay. So enter nitpick mode. So she goes in. And she, like, was like, hey! And, like, tackles someone and, like, tries to take her out with her legs. And she gets stabby-stabbed with the knife. And then she just rips it out. And all I hear is Dr. Beverly Crusher talking to, like, someone at one point. It's like, you know, just because you, or sometimes you don't just take the knife out because it'll do more harm. I can't remember which episode that was. Like, one of, like, almost 200. But anyways, all I heard was Dr. Crusher in that moment. And then I look ahead in this episode and I, and what was it, Stamets, I think Stamets is coming unhinged emotionally, okay it's fine, I guess um, and she does she does like a little a Vulcan pinch on him, so gents, am I the only one that was wondering the reason why she couldn't, why she had to like, throw her legs around a dude's neck versus doing a a pinch mma bro okay
1: i don't know that's that whole scene here to me feels like it was written at like four o'clock in the morning and the writers like oh my god we just we just got to finish this like like how do we how do we hurt michael burnham because she's got to be hurt because she can't be at full strength because john mccain was not mcclain was not at John McCain. John McCain was he's, not at full strength.
0: John McCain is definitely not at full strength right now, Eric. I'm just saying.
1: And so, like, okay, we gotta have a knife. So listen, there's this guy. He's trying to peel off a Federation sticker off the wall, so he needs a knife for that. And and I don't know, like, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, why couldn't she sneak up and neck pinch that guy
2: too? You're right. She right. Like violence, man. You know, sometimes we, we, you just gotta you gotta itch that. Lust for violence that's in. I just don't I just don't, don't get it, guys. We don't needed some Kirk it. Fu in this episode. It would have L- been sweet little... if she would've chopped him. Like give give him yeah. a nice like Foo. neck chop and then just slowly like lets him down. Yeah, little possible. little palm heel like drop kick?
1: Yeah. Yeah, the the like the two footed jumping kick that Kirk <laughs> does from time to time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Karate Judo. Karate. I do like me some judo. Judo's fun. Anyway,
2: Well, let's just put it this way: they, I, I, I think, I, again, I think, is they just wanted action, and that was what they came up with for some reason or another. I mean, a neck pinch is cool and all, but you know, it's it's over quick. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. you just you gotta sink your teeth into the action, or it's a true. knife in a thigh. Whatever, that's true. Because Star Wars is all about sinking
1: it. Star Trek is all about sinking its teeth into action. That's right. I did that. I did it on purpose. <laughs> by the
0: way, <laughs> like. Okay. That, okay. So I know we're just kind of jumping around. That's okay. But like, I did get quite a bit of of Star Wars vibes in this episode. So like, the pretty much the opening shot where um, the Discovery is going into the car wash and the big, you know, city on the edge of space is, like, chasing it. Um, Like, did y'all get, like, the whole, like, Star Destroyer um, Corvette chase thing vibe at all?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I can see that. And even, like, you know, Book uh, slamming his ship into Discovery towards the end of it. You know, I mean, (laughs) they always said Anakin was a good pilot, but I swear he's uh, lost more ships than most people, so... (laughs) <laughs> i, mean, I, I just feel like slam the ship in there. I feel like Star Trek
1: Discovery is the most star warsy of all of the Star Trek shows it's much more focused on the action than than the science and exploration and it has been from the beginning so like that's why I that was not a misspeak when I said uh-huh. that earlier
0: okay <laughs> well even even the um I, mean, I don't even know if that's the the appropriate title form but like, you know, we hear about like, you're going to need more regulators and like, there are some folks that are masked and some that aren't. And we have these Emerald chain stormtroopers too, you know? So like just a lot of, a lot of parallels with, I say that I'm only naming two right now, but like, there's just, there's gr- a growing list of like star Wars stuff. That's like showing up in discovery. Um, so yeah, but yeah, like that that chase scene like totally reminded me of A New Hope when the Corvette is it what's it called? It's not a Corellian cor- Corvette, it's just a Corellian Corvette,
1: right?
2: Oh, did Princess you need Le- me on that one?
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I mean, as far as a Corvette, it, it it's just a classification of ship. I mean, you had um, in Rogue One there was the uh, Oh, get the Hammerhead Corvette. You know, so it's it's just a classification of light light cruiser.
0: Okay. Okay.
2: So anyway, about about regulators. <laughs> yeah. Like how they, cheesy! They... How cheesy are we gonna get here? I mean, come on, boys, let's regulate. I Let mean, get,
0: get... let's get regulate. Well, and then, what regulate. was the name of the
2: scientist? Like in
1: invigilator or invigilar or something like that
0: it was aurelio something
1: yeah but but his title wasn't like scientist it was like invigilator or something (laughs) like that (laughs) like what does that mean
2: you know and, and i gotta say like i recognize that guy uh and and i looked up his like his page and as like, I was like, I actually don't understand why I recognize him because, like, he's been in a lot, but I didn't really like nothing that I really watched. Um, but what a useless character, right now. I, well, I it, mean, he'll that, probably be a plot point later, but I was like, God, what a, what a weak, useless character we have here well, that will clearly well, I, be turned eventually. Listen, well, that's that's Kenneth Mitchell, the
1: actor's name, and. Yeah. Kenneth Mitchell played Cole in season one and he played Tanavik, right? The son of Voke and, and Laurel in season two, like the keeper of our time, Crystal and Borath. And I, we, we saw his name in the cast list and it was listed Kenneth Mitchell as Tanavik. And I kept waiting for that to be some kind of timey-wimey thing that we were going to do to like undo all this. But turns out they lied to us again, right? Kenneth Mitchell was back, but not as Tanavik as this other character. But I think it's important is that Kenneth Mitchell... Was diagnosed with ALS two years ago, you know Lou Gehrig's mm-hmm. disease, and um, he just went public with it like a year ago, and he he made an appearance. Um, his public appearance is now in a wheelchair, like he can't he can't really walk anymore, and so and so they designed this character with him in mind to like be able to say, hey, you've been good to us on this show as an actor, we want to still keep you involved and so we're going to create a character that you can play here and they basically like took his input to design this character and and his Captain Pike like
0: thing thing.
1: Yeah. But but I do agree with you that um, he's definitely going to turn to quote unquote the good the good guys, right? And and it, it like it's so obvious that's what's going to happen, but like I hate this trope. This is a trope as well that I really hate because like oh, we have he was 10 years old and Osira like took him took him in and helped fix him and give him positions so he didn't just get killed or whatever and yeah. now what was 20 25 30 years later wow. and now he has one conversation with somebody pointing out how wow. bad Osira is and then one act of seeing her do something bad and that's gonna change him like after 20 plus years of of working for her and the indoctrination that's all it takes like, come on, that's not believable, but it's something that we see in, in literature and, and, and film and television. And it's just, can we not do that? Because that's 100% going to happen. Well, Well, another,
2: another thing that they did too, is who, who was doing the turning? It was Stamets, but Stamets isn't on the ship at the end of this episode. So you don't even get him to follow up with it. So it's like, the person who was doing the turning's not even there, so now you have to rely on Michael, I would Michael. assume, to do the turning, but it's like, but you had the guy that he obviously had, a, uh, listen, they're both scientists, they mm-hmm. both see the world in kind of a similar way through that vein of science, and obviously, you know, he's interested in what Stamets, you know, has sort of in, a, in effect become as this conduit for the mycelial network, but you just blasted him out of the ship. He's not there to complete the process. It was so stupid. That was dumb. No, I agree.
0: So, let, I wanna use this as a jumping off point to maybe talk a little bit about the actual name of, the the actual name of this of this episode, There is a Tide, which comes from Act 4, Scene 2 of Julius Caesar by Bill Shakespeare. And um, Eric and I were talking about Shakespeare and this whole concept of SOS um, um, in my living room a couple weeks back. And let me just read a little excerpt from where this comes from. Um, So again, Act 4, Scene 2 from Julius Caesar. We at the height are ready to decline. There is a tide in the affairs of men, which, taken at the flood, leads on to fortune, omitted all the voyage of their life, is bound in in shallows and miseries. On such a full sea we are now afloat, and we must take the current when it serves or lose our ventures. And this is Brutus, like the same Brutus of *A um, Two Brute* um, that's saying this stuff, and he's speaking these words in this particular portion of the play to try and convince Cassius that it's time to start this this battle, this conflict against um, um, Octavius. And, um, and Antony. So Octavius and Antony are like the, are right there. They're, they're in the, just like Brutus was, like the inner circle with, with Julius Caesar. And speaking, and this is kind of speaking figuratively of like the lives of men, so to speak, like fortune and fate. And if we don't take advantage of like this high tide, so to speak, then we're just gonna float on out, we can float on out to sea and take it and, um, and travel far, but if we miss this chance, we're just going to like stay here and never really reach our full potential, so to speak. So, I know that's a I kind of pulled that on y'all, um, but any any kind of thoughts on like this Julius Caesar kind of reference in relationship to this particular episode?
1: So basically, it's the idea of this is the moment like we have this one moment right here and to, to make things different, to change to, to come together to learn from each other and, and build a better future and if we don't take advantage of this one moment right now
2: everything's going to be swept asunder basically one moment knees weak, if, arms are heavy something about spaghetti <laughs> so I mean I, I, you know I get where you guys are coming from but, like, th- th- if we're going to start talking about, like, literature and Shakespeare and classics, let's do it on something that actually makes sense to do it on. Like, <laughs> hey. I- I- I'm just saying, it's like, would you, in a Bruce Willis film, would you quote Hamlet? No, probably not. You're just waiting for him to say something cool and shoot a Russian or something. You know what I mean? It, j- it- it's a nice thought it's a nice sentiment chase I get it but like not for this Shakespeare has
1: always played a prominent role in Star Trek though I mean it has in
2: Discovery too.
1: well I mean correct me if I'm wrong but isn't David Ajala uh, like what didn't he play a prominent role in the Royal Shakespeare Company yeah isn't that how he met Patrick Stewart?
0: Um, I think he
1: said something about that in, in the ready room that he was part of.
0: Okay. Probably. I
1: mean, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he was a member of the Royal Shakespeare Company.
0: Most most Star, Star Trek actors have been classically trained, and they have like that Shakespearean history to them. Right, where they've they've done like Royal Shakespeare Company or just like Shakespearean theater in general. But but yeah, like this line, like when I was like looking it up, um, like I think it was, um, I, I don't know if it was Memory Alpha or where I found it. it, might have just been like Star Trek news somewhere. But it was saying like this title was directly pulled from um, from Julius Caesar. So I went and looked it up, and that's what it was. All right. So, with with this particular episode, we have we have like Michael Burnham, you know, going John McClane style through the ship. We have Tilly and the bridge crew hanging out in the ready room, which I have questions about. And then we also have Vance, Osira, and Eli at Federation HQ. Um, it's there's a lot going on but I don't know how much there is to truly talk about if I'm being completely honest Um, I mean you have Osira and Vance over here that are trying to negotiate something perhaps you have Tilly and the bridge crew trying to figure out how to escape and retake the ship and then you have Michael Burnham who's sneaking around John McClane style trying to save the ship uh, while also getting rid of stamets. I mean, that that's pretty much what's going on, and um, I, I want to talk a little bit about the bridge crew and being in the ready room. Guys, did I miss something here? The ready room is off is off of the bridge, correct?
1: I mean, um, I think here, one this this confused me too. <laughs> Lorca's ready room was right off the bridge. But, like, Lorca's ready room was, like, small and tiny. And then Captain Pike joins the ship at the beginning of Season 2 and says, I need a new ready room. And then all of a sudden, I don't know if it was just an excuse to give us, like, a bigger set, right? Because, like, the ready room... Go back and watch Season 1. Lorca's ready room is really tiny. It's got, like, one desk in it and no chairs. Mm -hmm. But captain pike's ready room i was like combined ready room and observation lounge which we never use that right and and it it, the fact that it gets so much bigger like it can't be right next to them. can't be in the same location that lorca's was
2: yeah i i I didn't think that it was either to to be honest with you this sort of just seems like the multi-purpose room because isn't this the same room that we're seeing like unification in? And I mean, no, it's so unif- no, it's not. Unification no, they, was in the dining because, hall. Well, yeah, I, th- but the, but the thing the, is, is like we're we're talking about rooms of comparable length and breadth. I mean, the, these aren't like
1: yeah, the ready room. This is where we had the awkward Thanksgiving dinner mm-hmm. a while back mm-hmm. in the ready room. Okay. But then in unification, we just went to like the mess hall multi-purpose room. Yeah. Sure.
2: They just seem like they have a lot of multi-purpose rooms.
0: It's the room of requirement, my man. Yeah, well, I mean, you know.
1: <laughs> sure. So I have a lot more questions about about um, about Tilly and the bridge crew here. So when Osiris comes on board the ship, she says, "Okay, put the crew in the brig and put the the um,
0: bridge, officers, r- the in the bridge
1: officers in the ready room." Okay, but then in an act of good faith. She then says, hey, I'm going to let all of the crew go and go back to the Federation, and I'm just going to hold on to the bridge crew. Why not put the bridge crew in the brig at that moment? Because this seems like a terrible idea here. Like, let's put the bridge crew in the ready room. Let's put chairs just up as, like, the blockade to keep them back. And let's put the two worst prison guards ever in charge of them. Like, what a terrible, terrible idea. And, like, it would be pretty easy to transport them inside the ship, right? You wouldn't even have to march them from the ready room to the brig, wherever the brig is. Like, we've got personal transporters now. We can just easily transport these people. And it do- it seems really stupid and random. Who the heck was this random woman that was part of the bridge crew now all of a sudden?
0: I was I wondering I've never that too.
1: seen this person ever before, and she's part of the bridge crew. And why is she there instead of Lieutenant Nilsson?
2: Well, I, I mean, I, I, I legitimately feel like they're paying some of these actors by the hour, and they just, like, legitimately ran out of money. Because, like, Jet Reno we see once in a while eating licorice. And, like, Nielsen, her time is up. Like, her prepaid minutes have all been used. (laughs) We're still good on Bryce and Reese. Hey, I remembered his name this time. We're still cool with them. We still got some more prepaid minutes with them. They're a little cheaper, I think, than the rest of them. But, yeah, random. And she gets a line, too. She even gets a line out. So there you go. There's something for your IMDb page.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Worst prison guards ever though, right? Yeah. Hey, well, these people are gonna tap escape. out. I know, but these people are gonna tap out. You're gonna walk into the middle and be flanked on all sides by your prisoners. Like, what? Like, regula- these are terrible regulators.
0: Yeah, I, I was just, I was really confused, like, with the escape that they're, they're planning, that Tilly had a plan for, and um, just trying to figure out, like, okay, so... I lost my train of thought. Why did I lose my train of thought? Um, I'll come back to it.
1: Okay, let's talk about Tilly's plan. Tilly has a plan, right? Okay. Does she? Hey, yeah, Well, but no. Tilly's like Tilly. Tilly's book says I want to stay behind. And books, and she's like, hey, just because I lost control of the ship doesn't mean I don't have a plan. And what is Tilly's plan here? Tilly's plan is go find some weapons and storm the bridge, like. Who do you think you are? Are you Legate Damar with a group of Cardassians ready to charge yeah. Central Command yelling, For yeah. Cardassia! Yeah. Like, that's not who you are! You are not Legate Damar. You should not be, you know, storming the castle with your guns, like, if somebody falls, leave them behind. Like, you are a group of scientists. Like, your your plan should be sabotage this ship somehow. Because you, you're you inside the Federation car wash bubble. Like, like. It will be very hard for that ship to get out. It has to f- fire and shoot its way out. Your goal should not be storm the castle. Your goal should be sabotage this ship because you are I've scientists. storming the
2: castle. Like, they're, right? Did they're, anybody larping. El- they're LARPing. They're Did anybody Eric, else think that, that just, though? You
1: know. Like, when Tilly's plan was to find guns and, and storm the bridge, and if anybody falls
2: down, leave them behind. Did anybody
1: think, like, L-
2: Listen, really, they, Tilly? They, really? They, roll, they rolled a nat 20. They got their LARPing equipment. They're they're just it's it's time to it's time for action, okay? I mean, but no, you're no I, not – yeah, it, it would you are it would not Legit Damar here yeah. yelling for Cardassia. It, it would make more sense, like get to engineering, sabotage the sport drive so they can't jump away or something like that, so it keeps them in the in the apparently we're now just calling it the car wash. So keep them in the car wash. Uh, you know, listen to some Andorian opera and just, you know, be friends. But no, you're, you're right. The storming, the storming the keep, so to speak, just doesn't really... <laughs> I mean, granted, now, Michael did go ahead and get rid of one of them. Put them into space or two, maybe. There were more in the access tunnels, or so I thought, but whatever. So there's a few down in space with their legs... And this off and this the, the, this is the part that's
0: bugging me because I, I still think when I watch this show okay so <laughs> I, I want to say like maybe it was like third or fourth grade maybe fifth grade science class that I, I was taught that space is a vacuum there's no sound there's no light there's no oxygen that's why you gotta wear a space suit if you go outside in it, okay. So, if Michael Burnham is crawling through a Jeffrey's tube, and she's oh, ventilation st- shaft. Sorry, ventilation shaft. My bad. If she's if she's climbing through there, and she pulls out her her belt strap and like you know anchors herself down, and these regulator, these Emerald Chain folks are chasing her, and Air. she shoot, and she shoots this thing. Like to blow a hatch and to depressurize, right? Am I am I am I thinking correctly? Like, shouldn't there be like no oxygen since they're saying it has to be repressurized and reoxygenated? Like, shouldn't she be dead too? I mean, I, I know I'm thinking, I know this is like science fiction, and and like you got to suspend disbelief somehow. But like, come on now.
1: Well, well. Just because you're exposed to the vacuum of space doesn't mean that you will die immediately, right? Okay. But you do have to close the door before you repressurize. And and this was starting to say repressurize, like, and then the door closed. So that's bad. But if you've ever seen anything, like if you go back and watch two thousand one Space Odyssey, there's a scene where, you know, a guy gets blown gets goes out into space without a helmet and he like you know, he crosses very quickly, right? And if you watch The Expanse, there are scenes of people getting spaced, and you don't die instantly. Like, you know, the thing that will get you quicker than losing oxygen is being frozen to death because it is absolute zero out in space. So, you know, there are some issues with that scene, but it's not It's not terrible.
0: Th- that's I what happens when I have, think.
2: I have nothing to add to that. I mean, it was, you know... Sometimes you do need to suspend disbelief in order to just have a scene. But again, that's why we we have to change the deltas, okay? You you, you just you got to you, you just got to change it. You you just can't <laughs> expect that same level of star trekery anymore. Mm. Mm. Yeah, maybe we'll get that with Strange New Worlds. Hmm. who knows?
1: Who knows?
0: Do you want to go to the car wash?
2: Sure, let's go to the car wash. Well, I'll I'll, I'll tell you what. Like, if if you're if you're jumping plot there, I actually kind of enjoyed um, the Admiral and Osiris back and forth. It was actually probably my favorite part of the episode because to me it it was starting to like unpeel an onion, and I'm not quite sure what's at the core of the onion. It could be like sausage, or it could be just more onion or it could be a worm. I don't know. It could be anything inside of this onion. Because But it's made of crap. It could. It could very well be, but but the thing no, is it is, like, it
0: is. It is made of crap. Literally. What? Oh, okay. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes,
2: yes. Replicators. I'm I'm so happy that they Actually, I thought that I thought it was kind of funny, honestly. No, that was funny. You know with their with their little thin thinly sliced apple slivers. That was but no, I I, I like their conversation because it, it kind of gave me hope that there was more, like more to things than meets the eye. Osira had moments where she was, you know, like frustrated, like she almost wanted this to go quicker. Well, why do you want it to go quicker? You know, is there are you are you answering to somebody? Is like there's somebody worse than you, or uh, are 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 you aware or are you thinking that the ship could be retaken? You just have to get out of here quickly. Um, is there, you know, w- my mind started turning. It's like, why do you want this to go quickly? And then with the, with our lie detector, lie detector guy,
0: <laughs> Eli.
2: Yeah. You know, he, he's, he's saying that she's telling the truth through much of this. So it's like, well, wait a second. Maybe, maybe she isn't that bad. She's just trying to like bring, her own uh, sort of like capitalism to the galaxy, and then obviously you get to the point where it's like, well, you're probably gonna have to answer for your crimes. Though it's like, well, hold on a second, uh, let's not let's not do that or anything. Let's not be rash. So I actually found their whole conversation, and I, and I thought like Oded Far, I really I really enjoy. You know, like Vance, I think we've both we've all been hot and cold on. I actually like super enjoyed this out of him. Yeah,
0: I'm going to agree with you on that one I thought this was his so far his best performance of the season like with with, um, the Vance character
1: yeah I I think this is the highlight of the episode too and and I guess all of our initial reaction to this scene oh I want peace and we're all like no you don't no you don't this has got to be some kind of a ruse like that's all of our initial reactions just because they've just portrayed Osira as basically a comic book villain and at the end of the episode where we went back to Book's home planet she says you will feel the full wrath of the chain and what's that like it's four weeks ago in our time but how much in universe time has passed right so our initial reaction is just to distrust her but then like this Eli lie detector is basically she's telling the truth and you're like okay now this is interesting this is like getting to the core of what maybe Star Trek is about is like okay we have differences and there we have big differences in the way we see the world but we can we can still work together and we can still come to some common understanding and everything will be the better for it and and I I I did see that she was rushing through it but maybe she's just rushing through it because she doesn't understand the hesitation on the other side I don't know but I, I thought Vance was great in this and and at the end basically calling her out and says listen you can't be the face of this thing. You are not a legitimate face of this new cooperation. And, and she understands that she's like, I get your point, And I would be willing to not be the public face, right? I'm still going to be the face behind the scene. I don't, I don't need to be out front, but then he takes it that one step further, which I don't think is unreasonable on his part to say, Hey, no. you know, you have committed some, you've done some pretty bad things and, and, if you really want to show that this is true, stand trial for it, and I guarantee you this won't be a kangaroo court. I guarantee you we will be fair, and I will even be there to potentially oversee this and and make sure you get a fair treatment. And, and I think that's the right call on his part, but, you know, people, people don't want to lose power, right? No. People who have power, they don't want to lose it, and... And I think he maybe should have understood that this was a step too far for her. So I'll, I'll, you know, I well, I like him in that sense. I think maybe he did go a step too far. But this is this is this Osira we're seeing here is so out of character from the Osira that we've seen before. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if this moment is earned from her perspective like i i really feel like if they wanted us to really truly believe this and not our instant reaction to be this has got to be some kind of a ruse they should have done more to build up this character before now and i think this is a big failing and and i I, the whole time i'm watching this episode like is she being truthful is she not did she find some way to to um Fake the lie detector, but that you watch the ready room and and the actress that plays this character, and then Michelle Paradise as well are ba- are all basically saying, like this is real from her perspective.
2: Right, right. Do you I, think I, that? I, I, go ahead, Jay. Sorry,
0: I was just gonna ask. Like, do you guys think that? Um, and I want to come back to your thought, David. So don't forget. Um, that you know, like with with original series, we had the Klingons, which were essentially the big bad. You know, like the we can never mm-hmm. see eye to eye. So to speak, and yes, the Romulans were introduced, but Klingons were more front and center with TOS. And then I think, even though Romulans were from the TOS era, they were more um, up front when it came to Next Gen, and they were they kind of took the place of the Klingons, so to speak, in in the and Next Gen and beyond. So if we kind of draw that comparison, do you think that maybe they're they're creating like this? we have that parallel, so to speak, if you get what I'm asking. Like with, again, TOS, Klingons, next-gen Beyond with Romulans, and now Discovery Era with Emerald Chain. Or am I going too far with that comparison?
1: Are you trying to say this is trying to be like the undiscovered country moment of, you know... Because I I think that's a step too far
0: maybe, maybe eventually but i'm not, I'm there. not I'm not ready to to go all in on that concept right but like
2: or, or are, are you more like this is kind of like we're sort of fighting but it's more like the Cold War and we're not like openly fighting now or something but we're still kind of enemies
0: maybe maybe
1: are we gonna establish a neutral zone a buffer <laughs> I
0: don't know I don't you know go but do like, what you I, want over there
1: we'll do what we want over here.
0: I don't know, like, but, watch, but watching this episode twice and, like, hearing y'all talk about it, you know, and, like, how you're you're kind of teeing this up, um, I do see them now, I see them more now as an interesting um, enemy of sorts moving forward if, if we still, like, keep the Emerald Chain around. Like, if we don't just, you know, do takesies-backsies and say we're all friends now, you know, and I don't know. David, you were gonna, you were going to say something, man.
2: Oh, no. I it, I was just finishing up the the Osiris thought and I I, I was just going to say that, you know, personally, I kind of out of all the characters in the season, she's probably been my favorite character in this season. That that's all I was going to say about that. Okay. But I mean, a, a lot of the kind of to your point though, a lot of our enemies, so to speak, uh, in in Trek, it's not always about open war in Trek. It's it, it's always been modeled a little bit more closely with like the Cold War, like the U.S. and Russia or China or, or whatever you want to... It's like we're not really striking at each other, but we're very clearly, subtly uh, doing like either a propaganda war or a um, psychological war or something like that. We're just not dropping the bombs. We're not putting troops on ground. We're not hand-to-hand right. combat in the streets type right. of deal. Um, and then you have like your funny moments, like within uh, in the original series with um, the, the Tribbles, the Tribble episode. Um, God, what was it called? I should know that. Trouble, Any- tribbles. Trouble Tribbles. Okay, there we go. So you had banter back and forth, and then you kind of had a bar fight. You know what I mean? But it didn't escalate into a ship-to-ship combat situation where they were both firing at each other and somebody gets blown up. Um, but, again, I would point back to the fact that, yeah, you could do that with the Emerald Chain. But, one, the tone of this this show has just been far too serious for that. Like, it's about, like, I mean, how many times have we just seen people just offed? Okay? I mean, I saw a guy take a bolt to the chest. Okay? So, we're just into, into a little bit more violent tendency here. And then, two, I just... The, the, the Chain... We, we just haven't really seen it be big enough, you know, for mm-hmm. for that. I mean, I know they're kind of, like, peeling back a little bit here. It's like, oh, deep space, whatever. We've been trading with them forever and yada, 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 and so forth. And that's cool. But you're going to have to expand the universe. And that kind of means backing off of, like, you know, only focus- hyper-focusing on a character arc and then focusing more on a universal arc. Which sure. kind of means... More episodic turn because you have to go to different places to see it. In my
1: opinion, yeah, and and, and and I agree with that. And I think that even the the first the first half of this season kind of did lay the groundwork for that. How we were kind of plant hopping and going from one place to another, and you know, yes, they were part of this larger story, but we had largely self-contained episodes. And I and I think if you want to continue the chain, being like. The chain is your new adversary in the future and you're not, you're not in open warfare with them, you're just, you have maybe little skirmishes, as you were saying, that you do, have to, you do have to now go and explore, right? You have to have, you know, your discovery on the frontier somehow rediscovering all of these different planets and that have, like, lost touch with the Federation and Starfleet over the course of the hundred or so years since the burn has happened. And I would like to see that moving forward in season four. I don't know if that's what's going to happen. I don't know if that the show has proven that it is capable of doing that.
0: Would you? No, I know it was kind of teased a little bit, but this is th- believe it or not, this is a serious question. Would you? Um, would you gents be on board with the whole, you know, future, so to speak, having this this spore drive so that everyone had level playing field with? Space travel again?
1: Why not? I mean, like, is this sp- is everyone having a spore drive any different than everyone having a-, a warp drive? I mean, I don't know. I mean,
0: well, if we go back know, to we local-
1: were we were told when we, yeah, we were told when we introduced the spore drive back in season one <laughs> that it was a way you could win the war, right? Mm-hmm. If you can be there and back, you know, and this is not a tool of Like, Lorca, you know, who, you know, he wasn't our Lorca, he was capital E Evil Lorca, right? Said, hey, this is how we're going to win the war. But then you had Stamets saying, I won't give my research over to that warmonger. Like, I didn't, I didn't join Starfleet, you know, to have my work corrupted and be a tool of war. And then you have the scene in the middle, which, like, whatever happened to this idea of, like, this board drive was killing Stamets, right? He's like, listen, I'm done doing this. And then Lorca is saying, hey, but because of you, again, this is capital E evil Lorca, because of you, like you've unlocked the, you know, the frontiers of space travel and, 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 you know, you've done it. Like this is, this is, this is going to be a good thing moving forward to help with exploration and peace. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it could be that in this new future, but I, I just, and I would be okay with that you know the spore drive being our new way of, of warp drive but unfortunately I don't
2: think that's where we're headed I I wouldn't care for it all that much to be honest with you um, you know f- f- for me that that whole mode of travel you know f- f- uh, the, I'm not remembering exactly where this was but it, it was in next gen where we had the um the episode about warp warp drive disabling sections of the galaxy and so forth, and it kind of became the whole. Well, you can only go warp so and so, and then eventually we just gave up on that and we sure were like, care. <laughs> who cares? It doesn't matter anymore yeah, because it was feeding.
1: It's called "Forces of Nature" from season seven. Excellent.
2: So, I mean, what what do you think? if any would be the effect of all of these ships jumping through the mycelial network and and thinking about even creating a scenario where that would be possible. Like, you know, I I know our doc here was talking about like, or our scientists, I I don't know if he has a doctorate or not. I don't know uh, what happens in Orion land. But anyway, um, you know, replicating the DNA of the creature, because I mean, that was the whole thing with, with Stamets and being able to even do this i I think it feels it feels more complicated it feels more like a a, a more convoluted uh story that i don't think that this show is uh, really capable of exploring how you get there and then plus you would have to have like a rule set and then even like a geneva convention it's like you would just have people jumping wherever the hell they want but because this universe right now is so sort of like wild west how are you going to stop somebody from say jumping here or there as long as they know where here or there is and right you know it, it, right. it, it feels like it would be chaos and to be honest with you i was kind of leery about even exploring this idea when the season when the, when this show started because it seems like such a can of worms to me
0: yeah yeah with with the I I've been thinking the same thing, like with you know, like we look at the tardigrade, you know, like this sentient type of being that's able to to get us from point A to Z like that, you know, win the war. Um, and then we have, of course, Stamets, right? Who now all of a sudden is okay with it. And I think that we're when when we look at the spore drive, we're we're gonna have to really have like more of like this ethical conversation which I think Star Trek is appropriate for in terms of like how do we navigate this if, if we do go the spore way of traveling right like how do we navigate the ethical issues and to your point David like with having like a Geneva convention in terms of like the limitations the boundaries of it and apart from the spore drive the, the thing that I hope they have a conversation with but I highly doubt that they will honestly is this new Dilithium planet where um, where we're at, where the whole planet is made of Dilithium. And do you, I mean, that, that kind of goes back to um, uh, the episode that um, Eric and I did not too long ago on 30 days, right? Where like there's this water planet, but it's this, it's this factory that's like really killing the planet. So what do you do? Because you have a civilization that's living there. Well, we don't know, I mean, we know there's a ship like there's like there's the, the um, Kelpian right that's near the the planet, not on the planet. But we don't know to what extent that planet might be supporting other sentient life. So if we're gonna mine the heck out of it, what's that going to mean ethically? Because like whether we we look at it from a a spore drive perspective or we look at it from a a mining perspective of this planet, there's there's a lot of hard questions that potentially need to be. Discussed and and answered, and
1: and and I think that's something that Star Trek, you know, is that's that's the show where we can explore those Mm -hmm. those ethical situations, and I I think we Star Trek's even done that in terms of like you know mining. There was that fantastic episode in from the original series, "Devil in the Dark," right, where that mining colony is there. I don't forget what the thing that they're trying to mine, but there's like that silicon-based rock creature that they think is some monster that's just killing them but it's really a sentient life-form and those little ball things that they took were like the children of it and then and then we have to like Spock has to mind meld with basically a rock and and you know and then we come to like an agreement like this creature will start to mine the planet you know for you like and so there could be and it was a good like moral ethical situation and, and that's what Star Trek should should explore and you're right. Who knows what's on that dilithium planet? Is it just a big dead rock or is it potentially something else? I don't know. But um, I'd like yeah. to see that possibly explored. But as you said, Chase, I'm not sure if that's what's going to happen.
0: Right. I feel like I, I, I doubt that it will. Um, and even, even if it's even if it is just a ball in space, right? Like, they, what what they say? Um, how many lifetimes, like hundred lifetimes, or something like that, that it could it could sustain? Like, if if an entire spacefaring cosmos is dependent upon dilithium, that is not going to last ten lifetimes. We're going to be right back to the situation that we're in, Ratch right now, with the burn and being limited with our space travel. So we're going to either have to ration our dilithium, um, go back to like. Warp five type way of spacefaring, like we were in Enterprise, you know, and having like reactors and you know minimal amounts of deuterium that we might be using at this point. But we really got got to think hard about this, and like that, I guess that's like part of the conversation that we have as as you know Trek fans, as as fans of this show, is like how do we overcome this and make most people happier um, or happier. With being able to explore and go and see people like deep space, what would they say, two fifty-three or two thirty-five, something like that? They haven't yeah, yeah, seen him in like eighty, haven't seen him in like a hundred years, and that's or eighty-seven years. But like it's, it's been because they couldn't get there because of dilithium, and that would be inter. Maybe it'd be interesting. I don't know, to um to go check it out now that we can potentially jump there or warp there now. But we also don't know but, what like what space is like in terms of like what the, the the burn and the explosion has done for the the ability to space travel. We can have dilithium, but what does it mean now for being able to travel? I feel like I'm rambling.
1: No, as you were talking there, like a good thought came to my mind, right? Star Trek and science fiction in general is its best when it presents a situation that somehow mirrors our real world, where it's like allegorical. And... as you were talking is like do we just mine this planet and is this dilithium like are we gonna like pass this around to everybody and just basically suck this planet dry so it doesn't exist anymore and and how much is that gonna last well as a great parallel there to just like draining an oil field like are we just gonna like go to this oil field and just like completely drain it and pass it out to everybody and how long is that gonna last and and that could be a good you know, metaphor, allegory, whatever you want—something to mirror like the real world, which is what Star Trek is great at doing.
2: Right, even yeah. I, even I mean, you I'm w- still I'm still wondering why we couldn't get back to the whole idea of potentially recrystallizing that Like, are we just gonna say that's impossible? Aside from the couple of scenarios where it happened, you know what I mean? It's like, what? Why? why <laughs> Where, where, or in the lore are we saying that that's not that's that's not possible, right? Right. I was I was convinced coming into this season
1: that that would play a role somehow in this show. Right. Uh, at the end of season two, we met the Tilly's friend, the Queen of whatever her planet's name was, that was able to recrystallize yeah. dilithium. I thought for sure that was going to play a role, but it doesn't seem like it. If it if it is, it would be like a lot to add into just one more episode. So you're right, where is that? Did the writers just forget about that? Because I think there's something that the writers tend to forget about that that we do need to mention here as we finish up this episode.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there, um, I know we've kind of jumped around, but is there anything else that y'all want to talk about that maybe we haven't so far before we eventually move into evaluating this?
1: Yeah, I I want... other than calling her, you know, John McClane, we haven't really talked much about Michael Burnham in this episode, and, and there is something that sure. I do, I do want to talk about her a little bit. Um, listening to these episodes, you know, I've been very critical of Michael Burnham, right? I, I don't think she's a great character. I think she, like the show is too much the Michael Burnham show. She's the most important person in the universe. And there's an overreliance on her. And at the beginning of this episode, <laughs> when they when they crash land into the into the cargo bay, and books like, "Go save the day, Michael. You're the only one who can." I, I like rolled my eyes like, "Oh, we're just gonna get Your Michael Burnham hope. saves the day." Yeah, and 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 to their to the writers' credit, we we didn't just get like a completely Michael Burnham centric saves the day episode. And and I'm very thankful of that. Watching this episode, but what I will say is that you know over the course of this season we have seen Michael Burnham you know and over the course of the series like in general going all the way back to the pilot we have seen her say hey I know what's best and I'm gonna do what I want to do orders and chain of command be damned right we've especially seen her do that in this season um but and and in the last episode where, where she says um I'm worried about Saru like getting his personal feelings in the way and not gonna be a professional. And I was like, How dare you have the audacity to say that? But right. and I was like, you know, hey Kettle, this is the pot. Did you know you're black? Right? Um but I'm actually gonna give Michael Burnham some credit here because I definitely think she's growing as a as a character. I, I see some character growth and I was very worried that, you know, in the middle of the season we hit the reset button on her character growth. And so when Stamets wants to jump back to the nebula, right? That's the mm-hmm. wrong decision. That's absolutely the wrong decision. Absolutely the right decision here is to get Stamets off this ship. Like that's the right decision, right? And and Michael Burnham knows that and Stamets knows that deep down, but he is not willing to to accept that. And Michael Burnham is absolutely the wrong—maybe is she the wrong messenger or is she the right messenger here to tell Stamets that, hey, going back to that nebula is the wrong decision? Like, a certain part of me says she's the wrong messenger because if that was Book back there, she might tell him, hey, we have to jump back there. But maybe she is the right messenger because she's saying, listen to me, I understand exactly how you're feeling and I want to do this as well. But it's not the right decision. The right decision is to get you off this. And I know you're going to hate me for it. I know you're going to hate me for it. But it's the right right decision. It's going to save this ship. It's going to save the people. And it might save the Federation in the process. And listen, like, as a leader, as a leader, look, I'm growing into a leader here. This is Michael Burnham maybe becoming that leader saying, hey, like, my subordinates, my underlings might not like the decision that I make. I'm going to make the right decision anyway and, and I'll give credit to Michael Burnham for making that
2: yeah I, I agree I think the only thing that I, I kind of get a wee bit annoyed about is that she, she, she had to have the growth moment because again we're dealing with her she is the main character she's number one on the call sheet and we all know that eventually she's either going to be a captain or she's going to be the first officer again one, one of the two is going to happen my only issue is that we continually are using the other actors as basically just fodder for her to continue the growth as opposed to just having it happen organically. It's like, Oh, all of a sudden Suru is just going to be out of his mind because he sees one of his people. Um, Yeah. Obviously Stamets, who's had this close relationship with Adira and and Hugh, uh, he's just going to go out of his mind and, not considering. I mean, so it, it, it seems just like this, this, this thing where we're throwing people into the fire for the sake of of Michael's character sure. development, which I like. It's good. The lesson that she learned here was good. Her decision was correct. But it's just like I kind of I kind of wish that I, I wish that it felt a little bit more organic to me because it doesn't feel. It doesn't feel quite as organic to me. It just sort of seems like we're throwing people in the fire for a little bit at times.
0: Yeah. Um, um, I, I when we got to to the the fiery crash, I I did a hard eye roll and I had to like look away. I'm like, gosh, man, like this is like just way too cheesy. Like with the whole "I love you" thing. And but um, I, I'm in agreement. Like. Burnham was not annoying me like she normally does which was unusual but good Um, and the fact that she was making the the hard call to get rid of Stamets I think like I think everything within her did not want to but she knew she had to and that was good for her Um, and and the good of the ship Um, but yeah like to your point, David, like why are we needing to use um, like Saru and Stamets, et cetera, et cetera? Um, you know, just so that they can get, just so Michael Burnham can have her um, her growth moment. Like, why? Um, other than like she's the main character, it I just I don't. It doesn't sit well with me, like that we have to do it that way. Um, surely there's another way of doing it, like the organic way in which you're talking about. But anyway, um, that, that was, that oh, was yeah. pretty much I mean, it. I, I mean. just
1: like, I, you know, I've been critical of Michael Burnham. So I wanted to, you know, at least give her her due credit here in this episode where I think she deserves it.
0: Yeah, great. Yeah.
1: Okay. And then there's right, one last else thing that I want to talk about before we wrap this episode up. Okay. Yep. One okay. more thing. One more thing here. And this, this might sound like a joke, but it's a totally serious question, okay? Okay. Do you ever forget that the sphere data is on this ship?
0: All the time.
2: Sort of, yeah.
1: Like, like but the sphere data is the whole reason we're in the future, right? Mm-hmm. So, should we be forgetting about There's- it? Like... That's literally the plot device that got us to this point and where this show is headed. but that is something that we forget about.
0: We probably okay. so
1: shouldn't. Maybe but we, we do. should make the sphere data more prominent. Maybe we should make it more prominent. Like And the other thing about the sphere data is they tried to blow up the ship several times last season, right? They tried to just self-destruct mm-hmm. the ship. They tried to shoot it with a torpedo. The Sphere Data said, nope, not having it. I'm protecting myself. I'm protecting this ship. Don't you think the Sphere Data should have taken a more active role in protecting itself based upon what we've seen before than what it did now? It basically just let the ship get taken over in 12 minutes as as Zera. We didn't even mention Zera comes back from, from way before. And he says, 12 minutes, we took over the ship. Shouldn't the Sphere Data have, like, protected itself? or done something to help the ship before now. And then they're trying to, like, override the commands of this ship. And she says, well, we can't delete this thing. And how much, how much memory does it take up? Well, not very much. And then she's like, well, ignore it. Well, isn't the sphere data massive? Isn't it, like, a massive That's amount huge. of data? Like, why is it only taking yeah. up a yeah. small Just part of the ship's memory? Yeah. Like, and then. <laughs> like, it's
2: only a few gigabytes for the Blu-ray.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then it shows up in our little Astro droids at the end, right? And yeah, it does conveniently it, was red, it yellow, doing and blue. The Vulcan, the Vulcan V.
2: It was. Yeah, but was it was.
1: Were they doing the Vulcan it, V at the end?
2: Because
1: uh, <laughs> it only has three fingers, so See, it I was it, like this.
2: Yeah, it was. It was doing the. It was doing the <laughs> rock on man. It, it, you uh, know, I think <laughs> it was trying to do the Vulcan <laughs> like, V. Like, hey, let's listen to some ACDC guys. It's like we were ready.
0: Yeah, it, to was, it was. It was one hundred percent doing the Vulcan captain. salute.
1: But, like, like why... Like, I feel like the sphere data should be able to help retake the ship better than just these three little astromech droids we get at the end. Like, th- this, this is... It literally said, nope, I won't let you use the self-destruct. Nope, you can't shoot me with a torpedo. Like, you can't shoot me with phasers. I'm going to protect myself. And now here, it's, like, not protecting anything. It's just... It's very bizarre to me.
0: Do you think that... Um, well, did they... Did did the sphere data just like download itself into these 3 R2D2s? Well,
1: why does it have to? Is my question.
0: I don't I don't I don't like know, it has a, but like it is, has a voice is, is that, that
1: happened, literally though? took over the computer.
2: Yeah, I I don't I don't know exactly what to say to that either. It just it kind of kind of feels like Either they they don't want it to be like a huge part of things or they just don't know how to write it. But yeah, now now it's in some droids. So yep. it can talk a little bit more.
1: I don't know. I mean, are they mm. are they just worried that like it's this all-powerful all-knowing being and it would be too much of a deus ex machina if it just like saved the
2: ship at the end?
0: Probably. Yeah, it could be. Probably. I don't know, man.
2: Hold on. Maybe that could, maybe they could transfer that, and that could be their data. And it just becomes a real character. And it's just one data thing. And it's like, hey, I'm your new uh, crewmate. First, we do officer, need a f- first officer sphere data reporting as ordered, sir. <laughs>
0: first officer dot. Or second officer <laughs> or, dot.
2: No, it
1: would have to be Zora, because that's the name of the consciousness that well, it
0: takes. Dot or Zora. Maybe that's who that random lady is. Maybe that's maybe her body's gonna get taken over by the sphere data.
1: Like Lieutenant, (laughs) like Lieutenant Ailea in the motion picture.
0: Yeah, yeah. We we need a replacement for Commander Non after all, so why not?
1: Oh, maybe she's gonna show up in the season finale too. I I forgot about her. As I was talking about all the allies we made along the
2: way. I brought the seed chip. We didn't really have any other ones, so ready to go. I'm going to throw seeds at them and trees and so forth. I'm
0: going to throw these Deku nuts and have them explode see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) For any of you Zelda fans out there, Deku nuts. All right. I don't know. I don't know. I thought it was kind of weird. Again, the whole Star Wars comes to Star Trek thing with you know, these dot 23 astromex R2D2 versions of in, in Star Trek. So
1: it's more like a BB eight because it it doesn't have like legs, you know? Yeah. It's more round sleeker.
0: Mm Hmm. Mm Hmm. All right. Well, let's, let's move into um, assessing this particular episode. Um, And, David, we're getting to your favorite part, my man, the Delta. So we're gonna assess this on um, the three different um, areas of Trek, that would be leadership slash command, science, and um, operation slash engineering. So, um, anyway, I guess maybe maybe I'll throw myself um, into this first, and just see who I'm gonna tick off in this conversation. Um, command not so much not that much on the discovery I think like the the leadership command stuff um, I think we're seeing that mainly at Federation HQ with Vance and just like the the decisions that he makes to you know be super cautious with discovery and um, the Viridian and everything like that and then all the negotiations that take place I think that's a pretty clear example of like the leadership and command stuff, so um, maybe a little bit, uh, just a skosh from Tilly this week, maybe just a little bit. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna give this episode um, a yes for um, the Command Delta. Science, nope. I'm gonna go with a nope on that one. Um, not unless I'm just like missing something completely apart from like these apples are made out of crap I mean that's about it Um, crap apples crap apples they're crapples Um, and the operations and engineering stuff I mean we're not I'm not getting my techno babble or or stuff like that I mean like yeah we're like blowing you know a, a, a junction to eject some people out you know and I guess that's okay um, but not much in the way of, like, the engineering or the operations, as far as I can tell. I mean, like, yeah, you have, like, the dots that show up with sphere data, and, I mean, yes, you have Rin, who does his little thingy thing with showing all the, the dots of people, like, all the life signs, sh- you know, scramble. That was kind of cool. So maybe, maybe a little bit, like, a tiny bit of like that engineering techno stuff but i think the one that comes out the most for me is is going to be the command so um anyways eric what do you think man
1: uh command i'm giving this a full command this is like probably one of the the best examples of leadership that i think we've seen throughout this entire season i think admiral vance is fantastic this is the best he's ever been um You know really has a has a he says hey i want to believe this i want this to be true like i'm willing to make and this work with you and i think he's great there and i think michael burnham you know she's not leading people but i think part of command is understanding the decisions that you have to make and so i'm i'm gonna give that i'm very complimentary of michael burnham here like i know this is totally out of character for me but like i think i enjoyed her very much in this episode i really did so i'm giving this a full command like boom full command as far as science we have two scientists talking back and forth having some type of philosophical discussion right so i mean there's something sciencey right maybe like there's two scientists having a conversation um, I so I guess yeah. <laughs> so maybe there's a half half of something there maybe and uh, engineering operations nope 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 nothing there
0: okay
2: um yeah i mean i, I agree that the uh, i would say full command obviously the vance vance stuff really showed showed off um, you know hit his skill sets a little bit better than I think in the past and agreeing with Eric, uh, the stuff with Michael I think uh, has also shown a bit of a turn as well so that's good and I would like that to continue Um, you mentioned Tilly, I don't sorry, I still don't see that I I just sort of see a bit of a fumble around unfortunately with her and you know I mean, did she have a plan? Was there a plan? I don't know, whatever but yeah, I mean, I'm, she's an ensign, so we'll, we'll kind of we'll see how that uh, goes in future episodes. Um, in engineering, yeah, I mean, I, I guess if the, if it were more realistic, you could kind of like the the Jeffries tube thing. You could kind of like, oh, I'm you know going to de- depressurize the Jeffreys tubes to get these people out by doing this, that, and this, and my magic uh, laser gun just comes out of nowhere. It's super... But, you know, again, it really wasn't explained. It really wasn't... There, wasn't... there wasn't enough, like, emphasis on it. I mean, you guys remember back in the day when these... You know, when we had, like, Next Gen or something, and, you know... <laughs> I don't know. I know a lot of these things can be area specific, but like, I remember like commercials coming on for like, you know, scientific stuff and you know, there was still like astronaut camp and, and like STEM stuff and, and whatnot. Yeah. And you know, and, and it, it just now it, it's kind of like, oh yeah, we've got this big, cool science ship, but we're not going to explain it. You just got to take our word on it type of deal. And we're, we're all super good at everything, but we're not going to explain that either. So yeah, engine Engineering, I can't really give anything there. Science, though, the uh, the conversation between our I already sorry, I already forgot his name. I think I saw yeah. So Aurelio and uh, Stamets kind of his exploration into the Spore Drive. So there's a little bit of mumbo jumbo there that you know is kind of like oh, well there's some there's some words there's some cool you know. But (laughs) then it's it's just so fleeting and it's more. It's more Stamets's attempt to turn this guy, or, or you know, to try and get him to see Osiris, um, you know, bad side. So sure. even with that, I, I, I probably uh, he, I'll, I'll throw you, I'll throw you a nickel. I'll throw you maybe like a well now. I'll throw you a quarter. I'll throw you a quarter of a of a you know a delta on that. I guess just for a little bit of little bit of babble there. Okay.
0: Okay. Well, um, and then there was, and then you said like nothing really for engineering, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's, let's go ahead and move right on into, um, our numerical rating for this. So, um, again, one to ten, one being a dumpster fire, 10 being amazing, phenomenal, out of this world, Star Trek type of thing. So Eric, what do you got, man?
1: I enjoyed this episode. I actually did. Like, I had a lot more fun watching this episode than I have the past five or six weeks. That's not to say that this is a great episode by any stretch of the imagination. Um, It's a little too action-y for me, but, I mean, I enjoy action movies. Who doesn't love Die Hard, right? I mean, everyone loves Die Hard. Um, If you don't, you're wrong. Yeah, you you are wrong. Um, You know, there's... (laughs) (laughs) not enough science stuff going on engineering stuff going on for me but like i understand where we are in this story and this is this is really you know a three-part story we're telling here um i still think they have a lot of things to answer in just one more episode so i'm anticipating a very fast-paced episode to, to finish this all up um i like the idea of you know osira not just being a comic book villain about there being more depth to her but i don't know if if this moment is earned in this episode i don't know if we did enough to to paint her as something other than just a big big bad villain so that really kind of came out of nowhere sure. and i don't know if this show is capable of answering those questions but with that said i mean i liked it i mean i liked michael burnham here more than i've liked her ever since like the first episode And you know she's our main character, and and I think there's I do think there's some good acting going on here. I think uh, you know Anthony Rapp plays Stamus. Stamus was was really good in this episode. Um, So it's it's a solid effort. It's it's better than anything we've had in a long time, in my opinion. And and I'm gonna give it a seven point two.
0: Okay. How about you, David?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I've also enjoyed it a lot more than than some of our previous episodes. Um, I I think that I think that the acting did get markedly better because I I've been one that's kind of harped on that whole cringy yes and kind of crew in a you know weird thing that they've been doing in the past couple episodes and uh and, and despite the kind of like morse code tapping and whatever you know flanking people the stupid jailers they at least kind of show that they can work together without like complimenting each other's capes and stuff so that was cool um so the so the acting i feel like which uh you know i don't think i don't remember if it's been mentioned but wasn't this episode directed by uh, jonathan, Frakes? jonathan Frakes, yeah so I, I, do, I do feel like they, it felt a little bit more comfortable for me than it has in the past. But um, Michael's development's cool. Uh, I, I think that that's kind of, again, I, I did rag on it a bit because it was at the expense, but uh, I think that that's, that's fine. Um, Osiris and the Admiral's conversation, like I said, was my sort of favorite part of the, of the episode. Uh, so I, I think there's there's a lot there's a lot of good to latch on to here, and the, the action. I mean, I don't really mind it. You know, I, I think uh, I think sometimes you, you, you kind of have to get away from some of the tropey stuff, like getting stabbed and pulling a knife out. I mean, we you know I I watch a '90s movie. You know, I, I like to watch Jean Claude Van Damme. You know, get hyped or you know. D- I don't know whoever else Schwarzenegger saying I'll be back for the 10 millionth time yeah I mean that sort of stuff's great but like again this is supposed to be a little bit more science and a little bit of fict- right. fiction you know maybe more science and engineering and, and a little bit of fiction for disbelief but you know maybe maybe the, and I don't know if it was an homage but maybe the homage was a little bit too much there at times um, but overall it was it was certainly a better episode than what I've perceived the past couple to have been so, but I, I can't like, I can't go nuts on it and give it like some high score because it, it's still kind of like, yeah, you know, it's, like, it's like okay, that's fine. I still can nitpick it to death. So I, I was I was uh, actually kind of agreeing with Eric there. So I, I would probably be there at a seven two as well. Okay.
0: Okay. And this this episode, um, I think we're we're all kind of like. Camp it out in the same area in terms of like opinions and ratings and things like that. Um, I think that um, the, the the Admiral Vance stuff with to me was a breath of fresh air uh, for for this you know this season of Star Trek. Um, so I really like that. Um, I've I've never been like a big fan, and we've only seen her like. What three times, four times, maybe of Osira, um, but I will say that I did appreciate her more on my second viewing of this episode than I did on my first of the same of you know this particular episode. Um, so it was it was good. Um, honestly, like I was gonna give this um, a lower score um, uh, initially, but kind of like what happened with David, I think last week just talking about it has made me appreciate it more. Um, So for me, I'm just giving this episode a solid seven. Um, So yeah, this, this episode has, has a seven for me. Um, It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's average. I think it's maybe a little bit above, maybe slightly above average, but not by much. Um, But, but I could see myself maybe watching this story again. Uh, apart from you know like us doing it for this discussion like we've talked about like you know there's some episodes from this particular season we like no i'd never want to see it again or i don't see myself really you know sitting on the couch and enjoying that one again you know and obviously unification three is that one for me and um what was it for for eric i think it was like episode four no terra um, firma
1: is the one i never yeah. want to see ever again
0: I'm sorry. I just like I think episode four you'd given it a six, Um, but yeah, like Terra Firma. I know, yeah, Mirror Universe. You don't want to see that again. But overall, I I think it was it was a pretty decent episode. This this episode was a decent episode. So anyway, well, next week we're back for the season finale of um, Discovery season three, and um, I. I have not looked at like any spoiler sites, but man, I swear if they come back with like the Enterprise Q, or something to save the day, you know, that's, mm, I don't know what I'm gonna do. (laughs) And it's Captain by Q, by the way. Oh, okay.
1: (laughs) Well, John John (laughs) Delancey did did just say he's coming back. Okay. Like on that, you know that. that uh, app or whatever cameo, right? Okay. He he made oh, one list for somebody, and he said he's he's gonna be showing up sometime soon. He's reprising the role. Hmm.
0: Apart from Lower Decks, huh? Mm-hmm. Spoilers, huh? How about that? Okay. Well, that'll be interesting. Maybe he'll be in Picard, and you know he'll make Picard a real boy again, or, or maybe board. he'll be the captain so- of.
1: Q could show up at the end of this, snap his fingers, and undo the burn.
0: Exactly. And he'll also be the captain of the NCC-1701Q. Just saying. Okay, enough of that. Don't do that. All right, Don't guys. guys. Well, thank you. <laughs> 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 well, thanks for, guys, thanks for joining me again uh, for another discussion, and uh, we'll round it out next week. Uh, with the season finale and then we'll probably take um you know a couple weeks off uh between when that episode when we, when we do our final discussion when we do like a, a retrospective discussion maybe we'll take like two or three some odd weeks and come back and just look at the whole thing once we have all of it you know we understand the full story so um that's that so um everyone thank you for for joining us and listening to us um again like we'd love to know what you think what you thought of the episode um and you know do you agree do you disagree with you know some of our our discussion points our our evaluation like with the delta and with our number rating for this particular episode um just remember you can interact with us go to trtvpod.com check out our hailing frequencies portion of our web page and you'll see ways that you can get a hold of us there Uh, and you can also um Support the show. We have some sweet merch. Um, we have a couple shirt designs. You can get them in shirts, leggings, totes. Eric wants a good pair of leggings to, you know, saunter around in. I just know he does. That's How about right. some
2: jorts? Some, some jorts? jorts. I
0: th- we could probably do some jorts. Yeah. Go back to the I 90s. I love you some jorts. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's what's up. I need to see if we can get some, like, you know, flood pants, like, go, like, the Jinkos route of it. That'd be cool with, like, she our logo Jesus. on the side of it. <laughs> anyway. Um, anyways, check it out. Um, we have links um, all over the place, and uh, we have links in our um, on our social media, and you can interact with us there on all the socials at TRTVPod. That's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, if you do want to get in contact with us, apart from the Hailing Frequencies page, you can just send us an email to trtvpod at gmail.com. You can also send us a voice-only transmission to 817-752-4757. And uh, finally, if you want to, you know, mail us a human being in a force field that's being shot out of a into a vacuum, you can do that. Make sure it gets to the Lone Star Station, uh, PO Box 2455, Azle, Texas, 76098. Everyone, thank you for joining us today. And as we leave here today, we always remember to boldly go and make it so.